Welcome to a fresh perspective on business technology. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise, presented by Rising, a Wipro company. You'll hear from business and technology innovators who know how to use the latest technologies and business strategies to transform industries, and importantly, how these technologies and strategies can be shaped to your business needs in your way. Help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, disembodied ladies' voice. We appreciate the intro. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise. So happy to be here. I'm working with some very, very smart and interesting people at Rising. We have Sherry Meyer in the background and Hannah Hale, who will put these shows together. But today we have a very, very timely topic. And I'm not going to give you the title just yet, because those of you who follow my other shows and this show know that I like to Ask ChatGPT to write a poem for me for my monologue. Started this a couple months ago. Now, just be aware that this relates directly to our topic today and that I always add the human element. So I'll change a word or two here or there. I'll change the rhyme scheme, something so it's not just AI. So don't worry. So here we go. Everybody listen up. Listeners and viewers gather round, lend an ear to a tale of tech that's drawing so near. Generative AI a force to behold in enterprise, its story is being told. November 30th, 2022, a date we can revere. ChatGPT emerged, a true AI pioneer. A world ablaze with endless dreams, replacing busy work with digital streams. Questions abound as corporate minds swirled. What's the truth of AI in this evolving world? Do we truly need its mighty hand to navigate this futuristic land? The AI bandwagon it swift Martin likes us already. The AI bandwagon it swiftly rides. Are you prepared to join to take the strides? Ignored till now, is it too late? Will your organization meet a daunting fate? Fear not, dear audience, for insights on the way. At Rising's Roundtable, we're gathered, ready to convey. Raise your hand and wave when I call your name. Martin Stanzig, Charles A. Wilson, Josh Cavalier and Aaron Green, with Bonnie D, that's me, helming the scene. They bring their wisdom, their visions bright. On generative AI, they shed the light. Could've, would've, should've, we'll explore in this digital age where possibilities soar. Okay, let's get the take. How did I do? What do you think? Martin, did you like it? Oh, fantastic. Um, you know, couldn't have said it any better. Um, but you know, we'll talk about generative AI and its capability a little bit later, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Chat GP and I and I worked very hard on this. Charles, what do you think? Did we give a thumbs up from you? Fabulous. That was great. He liked it. Aaron, what do you think? Loved it, Bonnie. I want to know how long it took you with ChatGPT on that. It took approximately, I took my written text monologue that I prepared that you've all seen the opening that Hannah wrote for me for the topic. I put it in, I said, make a poem for my opening monologue. It took less than three seconds for it to return the entire poem. And then it took me about another 10 minutes to go over it and change words here and there. So a total of investment, I'd say of 10 minutes and three seconds. How's that? Pretty cool. Not bad. Josh, what'd you think? Sounded great, Bonnie. There you go. Well, it's all in the reading. You know that. It's, it's all in the live reading. <laughs> now we're going to have a very serious conversation about generative AI. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yes, we know that. So I'd like to go around the table and have each of my esteemed panelists introduce yourselves. Please take about three minutes. That's our guidance here. So we get a lot of everybody's voices on the air. And uh, Martin, you were on with me last week. So Martin, I did the math. I have a special AI audience calculator. And I figured out that there are 
12.79326 people in the world who don't remember you from last week. I'm sorry, Martin. I didn't want to offend you, but I mean, it's okay. really serious. So I, would you please remind all of us who you are? I'm putting you on speaker view. Martin, welcome back. Delighted to have you. Yeah, to those 12 point, what was it, 9.6 people. Something like that. Um, hello, my name is Matt, Martin Stenzig. I'm uh, the chief technology officer at Rising, but also these days I'm responsible for everything uh, SAP's business technology platform at Rising and our parent company, Wipro. So i um, grateful to be here. Um, the reason why I like this topic is, especially in my chief technology officer role, I look at technologies, especially new and forward-leaning technologies that, that bring real business value to our customers. So we, we always want to temper the hype, um, and but look at the same time at, at revolutionary things. And I always call it the space X factor. So we have lots of IT projects these days where... Um, we're finding business benefits in the realm of three to five percent. I think this and other technologies that we're finding in the market, though today, uh, are sort of you know ramping us up into the twenty-five, thirty percent um, factor, and that's really game-changing. That's sort of what we as as organizations need to look at, um, both from a risk perspective, but also from an opportunity perspective as to how we can improve our our businesses today. So excited to be here! Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you. And I have to tell everybody, it's the middle of the night in Australia where Martin is traveling this week. So you are our, you are our round the clock hero. Thank you so much, Martin, for staying up or getting up for this. We appreciate it. Let's go around the table. Next stop is Charles A. Wilson. Charles, you're new, so everybody wants to know who you are. Go ahead. Tell Wonderful. us, Wonderful. Well, Bonnie, uh, thank you so much for having me join the show. Uh, so I'm a principal consultant at, at Wipro. Uh, I'm that I've been in this space for about 25 years, uh, focused on implementing analytics solutions, performance management so solutions, and what used to be called cognitive solutions, which is now AI and, and chat, uh, et cetera. Uh, why am I passionate about this subject? Uh, there was an experience I had early in my career uh, where I worked for a company, uh, it was around 2000, so it dates me a little bit, but uh, at that time, uh, the the company had uh, was going through a significant downturn, you know, as it related to technology. Uh, they had uh, had a failed um, merger and acquisition. Uh, they had spent a whole bunch of money on on technology that they weren't getting the the, the uh, value out of it. And on top of all of that, their CFO had stolen $30 million from the company. So I got to be part of the turnaround team uh, for that. And uh, yeah, you can't, you can't imagine. But so one of the exciting things there was obviously we saw what you shouldn't do in an organization. Mm -hmm. um, but we also were able to uh, get involved and really drive uh, some benefits in that company around technology, around uh, good leadership. And that company is is thriving today. It's uh, it's called Targus, so they're they're in the uh, mobile access accessory space. But uh, so why am I passionate? Because I've seen what an impact uh, this sort of technology can make on on organizations. So I'm excited to talk about it today. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for the history. I will tell you, Charles, when you see the video, you'll see that while you were giving your bio and your story, I went to a couple of full gallery shots because the reactions from the others, including me, had to be captured <laughs> on camera. So forgive me. It wasn't just, this is just Charles. It's like, whoa, wow. Thank you, Charles, very much. Let's go around the table. Next stop to Josh Cavalier. Josh, welcome. Nobody on this show knows you, although you were on one of my other tech shows last week. So let's pretend nobody has any clue who you are. Josh, tell us. Go ahead. All right. Very good, Bonnie. Excellent to be here. Hello, everyone. Uh, Josh Cavalier. I'm the founder of joshcavalier.ai. I started way back in 1994 with an e-learning company based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Did that for about five years. After that, I started a training company called Lodestone. We were one of the top Adobe authorized training partners in the United States. Ran that for 22 years. Decided to jump back into corporate after the whole entire period and work for a $5 billion supply chain company in the L&D function, specifically helping out with learning analytics, uh, helped implement like Microsoft Teams during COVID and uh, was on the AI advisory board for that company. And then in March, had the bug again and decided to jump out and go exclusively with AI. And one of the reasons why I was so excited is about human performance. And I think we're about ready to get into a phase of technology to where it's an empowerment phase. And for many people, you know, there's a lot of talk about jobs being eliminated. Some of that may happen, but I really do think that it's going to be transformative. And for many of us, we're going to be able to show up differently and show up better. And that's what I'm really interested in. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you. Very well put. Show up differently and show up better. Mm -hmm. Just keep an open mind, right? Thank you very much, Josh. That's why you're here because of that background. And let's go around to our fourth seat, not the last seat, the fourth seat around the table. It's Aaron Green. Aaron, please give us the introduction and tell us why you're here today. Welcome. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks everybody for joining today. So, Aaron Green, I have the privilege of being the Chief Marketing and Solutions Officer at SAP Success Factors. Uh, I'm what I like to call a little bit of a, a recovering HR uh, professional. So I started my career in HR about 25 years ago and made the jump into Vendorland and have ever since spent my career really helping HR organizations figure out how to better engage their workforce, better retain their workforce and attract a new workforce. And this conversation uh, has felt really cyclical, I think for many of us for many years. And I think the thing about generative AI and the, uh, what is it, Bonnie, November 30th, so we've got 16 mm -hmm. days to the one-year anniversary of ChatGPT. Yes. Yep. But, but the big thing around this is it's really democratized access to data for people. And that's the real potential, I think, for organizations, because that in turn creates not just equity inside of an organization, but social equity as well. And I think that's a really important thing as we look at where the world is today and also where the world could be going. Bonnie, I will just say, and uh, in wrapping it up, uh, you do much better with ChatGPT than I do. I kid you not, <laughs> I have spent probably about four hours of my life trying to get uh, Dali, which is the, uh, the the image search or the image creation, to create an image of clowns being chased by zombies, and I still cannot get it right. <laughs> so you're, you're going to need to teach me how to do this. Aaron, I will tell you, I'm using an app called Night Cafe Studio, and there are so many phenomenal designers on that. I call them my art sparks. 
and I do pictures of people. I generate them in AI. I can show you some later if we have a moment at the end of the show. I'll put a few up on my green screen here. And I create, a, I'll just say, redhead, happy, red lipstick microphone. And I get a woman who doesn't look anything like me, but she's pretty cool. And then I print them on clear acetate, eight and a half by 11 film. I run down the hall to my art studio, which was the sunroom for the people on the house before me. I slap the acetate down on 12 by 12 inch white cardstock. And I rub furiously over the back of it and transfer what's left of the ink because it air dries fast onto the cardstock. And then I look at it and I say, what do I want to do with this? And I use acrylics. I use watercolors. I use sergeant glitter glue. I use collage papers that I make and I bring it to life. And that's what I call my art spark. So I can do a lesson with you, Erin, if you want, because we can get those whatever you said you want. And there are some pretty cool designers on Night Cafe I can introduce you to. Okay. Yeah. We'll solve your problem. We will, I promise. This will be the art show. Sherry, don't be mad at me. <laughs> Thank you all for the bios. I am very, very impressed with each of you and all of you, and that's why you're all here, because it's really a hot topic. And I will tell you that I didn't know anything about ChatGPT. And on my Technology Revolution show, I do an annual crystal ball prediction show. And a gentleman from SAP who had a series with me for 11 years on for the, the CFO, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, he said, this was January of last year, he said, I just discovered something called ChatGPT. And everybody looked at him like, what? And everybody got three minutes. There were 10 people on the panel. Everybody looked at him like, what the blank is that? And I'm writing down furiously. Sounds interesting. If he said it, it must be good. And about a day or two later, I went and found it and joined it. Changed my life. Change, it's changing the world, like it or leave it, free version, the paid version. And that's what we're talking about today. But in the in the environment of what are corporations, what are enterprises going to do with it? So oh, let's get on. So I've asked all of you to please send me a fictional quote from a character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that you like. And you're going to relate it to our topic today, which is a little bit of a stretch. So let's go. Martin, you have picked a classic quote. It is actually one of the top quotes ever, ever, ever from a movie. I think it's number 104 on the AFI. Oh, it's number 35 on the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 movie quotes ever, ever, ever. I'll just give you all a clue before I read it. The line was ad-libbed by the actor Roy Scheider according to the Hollywood Reporter, because the movie was taking place on the water and they had a boat, a barge that had all the equipment. Anybody getting clues here? And when the wave started, the barge rocked and the equipment might have fallen off and the craft cart with the food wasn't so clear. It wasn't so good. And this person and everybody started looking at the producers and said, you guys are cheap. Here's the line. You're going to need a bigger boat. And Roy Scheider started using it in ad-libbing during the takes. And the woman who was the editor decided to leave it in the movie. Number 35 of the top 100 quotes ever, ever, ever. So Martin Stanzig, you're going to need a bigger boat. Tell us, what does this have to do with our topic today? Everybody's looking at me like, wow, that was pretty good, Bonnie. Go ahead, Martin, rescue me. Yeah, it was, it's one of those quotes that I use uh throughout life uh, once in a while. So no, in the in the context of AI, I, I firmly believe that um, people need to use and, and should use AI much, much more. So that's sort of where the bigger vote comes in. But also from a computer horsepower perspective, I mean, if you're using and if you have played around with AI, you know, machine machine capacity and, and capability is, is everything. Uh, you don't want to sit in front of your machine for days and days and days. So you buy the biggest machine you can find. Um, so that's that's how it plays in. Um, but at the end of the day, I think um, talking about capability, 
um you know it's huge and we haven't i think we haven't even we haven't even touched the you know the the possibility areas that that you know chat gpt or language models or ai in general can can facilitate um so we'll come back to that a little bit later but uh, we see a huge influx in interest um and funny enough um as much interest if not even more interest in the in the private field similar to what we have seen for the for the mobility revolution i think um the same thing has, seems to happen on the ai side as well thank you very much i love that quote it pops up once or twice a year on some of my on my other shows and i'm always happy to see it because i love the story so let's go to uh charles a wilson has picked a quote from a song by david byrne it's on the talking heads album little creatures from 1985 and the name of the song is road to nowhere just so you know it was number 25 on the billboard mainstream rock charts rock tracks chart number six in the uk germany and south african and number eight on the Dutch top 40. And I'm sure we're all checking the Dutch top 40 because that's very, very important. Uh, and David Byrne said there was a gospel choir in the front and he kind of tacked it on because the rest of the song wasn't enough. It was only two chords. And he said, I was embarrassed or ashamed. So I wrote an extra section and moved it around. These are quotes from some kind of music magazine. So interesting to have him tell the true story. So here's the quote. Charles, did you want to sing this or play this or do you want me to just read it? I'm going to let you read it. Yeah, okay, thank. I had to get. We, we want to keep it. our audience, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here we have to listen up. This is interesting. I didn't write this poem, and neither did ChatGPT. David Byrne did. We know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. And we're not little children, and we know what we want. And the future is certain. Give us time to work it out. Wow, Charles. That's pretty heavy. Go ahead. Tell us how it relates uh, to our topic. So uh, written in 1985, I think you said, right? So mm -hmm. it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So um, one other little uh, tidbit about David Byrne and his colleagues in, in the Talking Heads, they, they met at uh, design school, right, in the northeast of the United States. And um, they started this band in a time when technology was really changing uh, the way that music was made. And so you kind of take this technology plus the creativity, put it together, and you get this, even with just two chords, you get something really interesting, right? And so the, this particular lyric um, kind of brought four things to mind as it relates to AI and ChatGPT. But the idea that, you know, we really need context as we're looking at data and trying to figure things out. We know where we're going, but we don't know where we've, where we've been. So having that contact, context is really important. The other thing is there's a lot of things that, a lot of data we create that we don't have visibility to. So having access to all of that, uh, the fact that we're not little children and we know what we want. In other words, as what we want is a better experience with our, our computers, with the, the technology that we work with. We want a mentor. We want someone that we can counsel with, et cetera. Um, and then this idea that the future is certain, it's certain that there's going to be a lot of change, right? We know that. We just need some time to work it out, right? And so I, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, what we're trying to all grapple with uh, right now. Thank you. Very well said. I appreciate that. I, I love the song. Uh, I have to go listen to it, but I appreciate it. Song lyrics, sometimes just the message is big, but it's really a very simple thing. Where are we? 
where have we been? Where are we going? Thank you, Charles. That was lovely. Oh, you brought my mood down there, but it's so nice. See, it's so quiet now. Let's go to Josh Cavalier. Josh has sent a quote from one, a song by the Irish rock band U2. This is the third track from their album, Octung Baby from 1991, the third single released in 1992. But interesting, they were recording it at the Hansa Studios in Berlin, and the band was having a problem. They were close to breaking up. They didn't know what the direction was going to be for their sound, the quality of their materials, and they had a breakthrough in the improvised parts of this song. They were inspired by, a, here we go again musically, Charles, you'll like this, by a chord progression. Oh, I'm sorry, Martin, by a chord progression that mm -hmm. guitarist The Edge was playing. The lyrics by Bono were inspired by the band's fractured relationships. And I just want to tell you that my kids were at the Sphere on week two and saw Bono and you two. And they said, so anybody who says that Bono was not on his prime, not on his game, was wrong, wrong, wrong. He was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And the whole interior of the sphere, it looks like some kind of design bricks. It's all cameras. And each band member gets their own great screen. And you can see them from anywhere. And your whole, whole experience is looking up. It's qu quite an experience, I understand. So here is the quote Josh has selected. One love, one blood, one life. You got to do what you should. One life with each other. Sisters and my brothers, one life. But we're not the same. We get to carry each other. Carry each other. Another heavy lyric there. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I might have been at that same show, Bonnie. Uh, I did get to see you two at the Sphere, and it was a very unique experience of sight and sound. I highly recommend it. Uh, it was very unique. And, uh, you know, you get lost in the moment uh, with all that input coming in. As far as the quote itself, you know, when I think about AI and where we're headed, I think it's going to bring us closer together and specifically around translation. I know that for myself, I love sharing ideas and I love hearing ideas, but, you know, language could be a barrier. And I have a feeling in the next couple of years, that barrier is going to go away and we're going to be able to go ahead and exchange ideas easier. And I just can't wait to see how that shows up. Thank you very much. We're all all at one under this banner, under this umbrella of where tech is or is not going to take us, but it's here and we are too. Very interesting. Thank you very much. And let's go to Aaron Green. You've picked an interesting quote. One of my favorites pops up from time to time. It's also a classic. Uh, I'm going to read a little mathematical something to you, Aaron, in just a second. But it's from Friends, as if anybody doesn't know what rock have you been hiring under. American TV sitcom on NBC TV, 1994 to 2004. And this is from season five, episode 16. The episode is titled The One with the Cop. It aired on February 25th, 1999, and six friends in their 20s and 30s living in Manhattan and trying to figure out what they're going to do in all of the relationships and comments. So Rachel is helping Ross shop for a new couch, and he finds one, but he says to the delivery guy, uh-uh, we don't need it. We're going to carry it ourselves. They carry the couch three blocks to his apartment. I won't tell you what he told the condescending salesman because it's a little X-rated for this show. Uh, Rachel is incredulous. They have to get it up a narrow stairwell. So Rachel asks help from another character, Chandler, who just passed away, the uh, the actor. Uh, but the couch gets stuck between landings, and it gets cut in half after Rachel accidentally bumps into the fire alarm, and everybody in the building has to walk over the couch. Ross returns it to the store, and he gets a credit of $4. But Ross repeatedly, on the way up, keeps yelling this word, pivot, pivot, pivot. And the scene was called iconic by, you won't believe this, Aaron, by House Beautiful Magazine said the scene was iconic. But here I have to tell you, you won't believe this. There's an Irish website called Joe. 
And they wrote that the mathematician Carolyn Zunkel, Z-U-N-C-K-E-L, explained how they got the sofa upstairs. She said, by applying Pythagoras' theorem to the estimated measurements of Ross's sofa in a vertical position, I'm not kidding, Martin, and the dimensions of the chair, she said, I was able to establish that it would have been possible to get the couch upstairs. <laughs> it's really quite simple. Huffington Post called this one of the 14 best episodes of Friends to binge right now. So the quote is, pivot, pivot, pivot. Okay, Aaron, let's hear it. What does this have to do? Like we can't tell with our topic. Go ahead. Well, I guess it's too bad that uh, that Ross played a paleontologist, not a uh, not a mathematician. <laughs> Otherwise, he, he would have been more successful. Uh, but Bonnie, I will say this is one of my favorite quotes as well, because, uh, and this is, uh, we're, we're digging deep here, but I actually, in high school, was the president of the Friends Club. And every Friday, we would watch the Friends episode from Thursday night during lunch. So that's Whoa. how, that's how just, deep just we're going Just wait here. for everybody to say no all together. Everybody join <laughs> me in no. no. <laughs> okay, Aaron, you can continue now. I've become slightly less uh, nerdy, I guess, in my uh, as I've aged. It's but, okay. Uh, nerds are good. Nerds are, nerds are great. Can, you can be a nerd, yes. World, world couldn't run without them, without us. Uh, but... But look, the part of the reason I love this is I think it really represents kind of where we are right now, where organizations at an enterprise level are as it comes to exploring generative AI. And there is, uh, there's a real risk in organizations adopting lots of different generative AI solutions and trying to apply them into the business. And what you end up with is a lot of friction when you do that. You end up cutting things. You end up not really understanding what your end point is and how to get to that end point. So I think the we're, we're constantly pivoting, technology is constantly changing. We need to be able to be flexible, be fluid and be able to pivot, but we also need to know what that destination actually looks like and how to get there with the least amount of friction for our workforce. You were president of the Friends Club. I know. I didn't I even know. know they had them. I think that is so cool. We that even is... painted a door, Central Park for Mr. Perkins' classroom, the whole thing. Oh my goodness, I have to ask you if I may, who was your favorite character? Did you have one? Oh, gosh. Uh, I probably would just have to say Ross. I think David Schwimmer just uh, did an incredible job playing that character. Okay. Interesting. Interesting where they've, where they've all landed over the years. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you all for the quotes. I appreciate it and the fun stories. And uh, it's just interesting. I, I think I told you all this on your prep calls. I used to ask my guests to send just a quote. And by and large, we got Churchill and Gandhi and Einstein and Mark Twain and a lot of Maya Angelou. And that's all we ever got for years. So I could just, person open their mouth, I could just tell you what they were going to quote. And it was getting boring. So about two years ago, I changed it up and I figured if we can get a little bit of pop culture, I know we're talking about serious business topics here and technology, but get a little pop culture. And it's just so interesting to hear the four of you relate these quotes, two of which were totally iconic in the movies to our topic. And it just makes it come alive. So thank you very much. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where I'm going to pick one or two statements from each of you from the discussion statements you sent me before the show. And thank you all graciously for doing the work and sending the information. And I'm going to read, I have picked two from Martin. They're short and I'm going to combine them because I like the way they go together, Martin. I'll read them. Martin is going to unpack them like a news show. And then I'm going to go around the table and make you all agree or disagree. So be ready. You have to be sitting, Charles, on the edge of your seat, please. I can almost see that. Aaron, I That's know true. it's difficult, but edge of your seat and Josh is already there. So I'll ask you agree or disagree and take about one minute to comment, not just a yes or no, but something, add 
something to the conversation. So here's what Martin told me. He said, his statement number three is, most companies are challenged with building business cases around AI as the target is moving more quickly than the usual budget cycles. And then he adds, AI-supported business scenarios can and will revolutionize some business processes in a SpaceX kind of way. So let's talk about that reality or we want to do it versus the budgets and how fast they're moving. Martin, go ahead. Yeah, I always describe it as as sort of a, a ship sailing sailing along, you know, and and I always feel like people are aiming directly at where the ship is right now, not where the ship will be sort of in a year from now. And and that's sort of the the tough, you know, argument to get across to, to business leaders that you know, when you're putting something together, you don't aim for what is possible right now. You need to have a little bit of vision and a little bit of faith that, you know, that ship is continuously moving as we see. And we see the opposite right now. Yeah, technology is moving so fast that that people, I always describe it as building business cases that we could have executed in 1990 rather than in 2023. And that's that's sort of the, the sad part because they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, you suddenly, you're suddenly con- confronted with these solutions. <laughs> you're like, well, why are we doing this? This is so outdated. So I think what AI does is, is just even amplifying and, and accelerating that, you know, where you know, with ChatGBT coming in, you now have you know, have possibilities where and I was at the conference here yesterday where somebody said, well, what took me a week to do, you know, a few years ago, I literally created in ChatGBT and it just spit out 90% of the work product that I needed to do manually a few years ago. So, so those are the things. So you're suddenly reducing, um, you know, reducing timelines from about a week to a day or two. Um, and he felt so bad about it that he actually told the customer that he used ChatGPT because the customer couldn't believe how fast he could deliver. So those are the those are the things and game changing activities that we're seeing, and it changes changes business cases. Yeah, you know? but yeah, we're, what we're seeing is, and and this is the message I guess to leadership: you know, be imaginative. You know, think about not what you can do today. But what you can do, you know, when your business case actually goes into effect and with sometimes business cycle, investment cycles over two or five years, you know, you need to have a little bit more courage and and vision to, to sort of include what will be happening at that point in time, not what can be done today. Thank you. I'm As you're speaking, Martin, I'm thinking of changing the uh, job description of a uh, thought leader, of a business leader, of a CEO, CFO, CTO, CMO, and saying you have to be imaginative. Can you imagine how that would play on the job descriptions when people are applying? Am I imaginative or am, am I a creative? I, I thought they wanted me for my 90 years of business skills and my, my 25 exactly. years of deep text fo- tech footprint. And they want me to be imaginative. You can see them turning around to their kids and saying, is your dad imaginative? I don't know. Anyway, I, I love what you said and, and it applies. It just, it just, yeah, it's, it's max of really? Okay, let's go around the table. Agree or disagree? Mr. Charles A. Wilson, you're up first. Talk to us. What do you think? I, I agree. Um, I'll just give a quick comment. I think one of the challenges uh, historically was that when you did an AI, pro- AI project, it had to be a custom solution. I think now platforms are building in hooks to these uh, capabilities. So leverage those platforms and you'll be able to get a much quicker solution up and running. Thank you. Let's go around to Josh Cavalier. What do you think? Agree or disagree with either Martin and or with Charles? You get two. I totally agree with Martin. Uh, The great one, Wayne Gretzky, said you need to skate to where the puck's going to be, right? That's where we're at. So what's interesting, I know that with my customers that 
it's across the board as far as how AI shows up. And it's very confusing. When you have a technology that impacts every single aspect of a business, what do you focus in on first? Is it AI operations? Is it internal? Is it external? Is it sales and marketing? Is it something on our tech stack? And it's everything happening at once. And so when you don't have a game plan going into 2023, here we are. And so I still think that there's some level of confusion. I know I still have customers that don't even have an AI policy in place yet. And right, uh, actually there's a lot of them that don't at this point. Yeah. But I, I think that as we move into 2024, it's gonna settle down. And you know, to Martin's point, there's gonna be vendors that are out there that are gonna figure things out for their customers. So it, you know, you're gonna see that show up better um, but I still think there's a maturation process that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of pain that's going to happen in 2024, uh, but we're going to get a sense of direction as we move forward. Thank you. Interesting. Aaron Green, join us. Agree or disagree with everybody? So I, I, I'm going to go in the middle and I mostly agree with everybody. I think uh, I, I want to build on Josh's point uh, because I think the game plan is important, but I think a lot of times we think about this in terms of what does this mean for the enterprise? What does this mean for our customers? organizations need to think about what does this mean for the skills that we need inside of our workforce? What is our workforce going to look like, not just in 24, but in 25 or in 26? Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I mean, Bonnie, you showed it really well, right? You, you spent about 10 minutes, but only three seconds using ChatGPT and then 10 minutes editing it. If you had to write that poem yourself, it might've taken you hours. So the skills that are required to do that, you maybe didn't need to be a poet, but you needed to have creative thinking in order to edit it for yourself. So that that's the lens that I think organizations really need to be focusing on. Thank you. We'll talk about my poetry group. I belong to Writer's Digest. And we're in the November poem a day, and every day I get a prompt, and I have to write a poem, and I can do it in about 20 minutes. And then we all share them on, on a website okay. called Discuss, and we comment on each other's poems all day long, and I've gotten it down to about 20 minutes, but nothing like the one that I read for you. So <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Just a reality check. Martin, anything you want to say back to your colleagues here before I move on? No, I think I think great comments. Uh, let's let's unpack the other stuff. I mean, there's lots lots more to come. So I agree. And Sherry, who's here with us in the background, wrote from talking heads to pivoting on friends. Wow, here we are. Okay, <laughs> yes, good quote. So let's go on, Charles. I picked statement number one. It is long and detailed, and I appreciate everything you wrote in it. But I'm just going to read a little tiny bit and let you go with it. Charles Sounds says, good. "Generative AI can provide sorely needed context." Today's analytic systems are focused on predicting the future, but sometimes lack historical context and often do not memorialize lessons learned. Generative AI can improve our collective memory. I'm going to stop there. And he also referenced a study by McKinsey and Company, how generative AI is transforming the world of business from the McKinsey Global Institute 2023 this year. Charles, take it away. Go ahead. Yeah, I think... Uh... How many of us have sat in meetings where we've felt like we you know, had the same meeting yesterday or had the same meeting last week? And how, how come it does? It seems like we're never learning you know, from those experiences. I think uh, generative AI is unique in that it, it really does a good job of synthesizing uh, a lot of this uh, unstructured data. And so it really does have the opportunity for us to start to bring all that stuff together that would have taken us hours and hours uh, to synthesize ourselves. 
uh, and put it into a format that it's easy for us to have lessons learned and to continue to, to move forward. So instead of learning uh, the same lesson over and over again, we can go into the next day learning a new lesson. Thank you. Very interesting. Context, context, context. We're not talking hallucinations today, are we? About the, yes, we're not doing that. Let's go around. Well, I'm talking about AI hallucinations. We'll leave that one alone. Let's go around the table. <laughs> uh, let's see. Josh, you are sitting virtually next to Mr. Wilson. What do you think? Fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind is something that's just as typical as a meeting, right? And with AI, now a meeting shows up differently because we can record that meeting. Not only can we record it, but we can have actionable items that are done automatically based upon current projects, uh, who was in the meeting, who was not in the meeting, emails that are automatically generated. You know, these are things that are mundane, but now show up differently. And not only that, but it starts to build within that collective intelligence or data about the company, things that are happening in the past that we now can make decisions, decisions on in the future. Uh, I know that's just one example, but I'm totally in alignment with them. Thank you. Aaron Green, join us. Absolutely in alignment as well. And uh, just listening to, to everyone speak, what actually pops in my mind is a study that Microsoft recently did where, uh, and they did this, I mean, think about Microsoft, billions of people use Microsoft 365, Teams, all of those things and the amount of data that's collected there. And what was reported in the in the most recent uh, work trend survey that they did was 68% of people felt that uh, they spend, they, they don't have enough focus time at work. And if we think about the power of AI to actually automate a lot of those secondary or more mundane tasks, as Josh was saying, like taking meeting notes, transcribing uh, a meeting, being able to take actions on that, that makes a real difference in the way that people work. And it gives them the, the ability to focus on perhaps higher level or higher impact work as well. Thank you. We've been saying that for a long time, that we want to elevate and escalate the skill sets of workers in all industries so that it's not busy work and pencil pushing. But I raised this on another show. Martin, it might have been on last week's show. And I said, what if somebody doesn't want to do anything other than the busy work? What if that's what makes them happy? <laughs> they go to work and they want to push the widget and they want to push the button and they want to say, yay, I wrapped uh, 5,000 packages today. Maybe they don't want to. So the question is, who in the workforce wants to go there? Or who do, who do we drag kicking and screaming? Let's go back to Martin. You're next talking about agree or disagree with Charles and or go ahead. Yeah, totally agree. And and going back to what Aaron said, I think as common to, to my question before is like, I think we're changing changing the importance of of sort of the the next level up. You know, it's it's not any longer the busy work that that will be sort of a center of the universe just because it takes a long time. The busy work is going to be taken away by something like ChatGPT. Yeah? But it now becomes even more imperative that sort of what we call sort of the principal level or the solution architecture level does their job very thoroughly and checking what ChatGPT is is providing there because People, I think, are sometimes taking it face value just because ChatGPT says or Google said that you know X is the truth, is <laughs> sometimes not just the truth. So, so again, great news is that uh, the busy work in the context, as Charles was saying, you know, is now being created, and you get a whole lot of information. But I've also seen you know plenty of information on the coding side, on the ChatGPT side, where you're getting a data point and you're like but there's something missing or, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's sort of 90% correct. So I'll take the 90% uh, by all means, 
but let me do exactly, Bonnie, what you have done. Let's take ChatGPT as a starting point and then fine tune it. Uh, but but the so the importance of that fine tuning, I think, cannot be underestimated. Thank you. And I've had arguments with ChatGPT where I've asked for movie characters and certain quotes, and it has given me the wrong character or the wrong actor or actress. And I check, I validate, and I do this. And yep. I will come back and say, but Bob Hope didn't play this character, Mary Smith. And <laughs> Aaron liked that. I just took that out of the thin air there. Right. And uh, and I'll say, but that wasn't, and ChatGPT will. Now, it may not be sentient. It may not have emotions, but it's been trained in proper etiquette. And it will say, I apologize for any confusion and inconvenience I caused you. It says that. And then I say, you're right. Bob Hope did not play Mary Smith in that on the road, whatever, whatever. And then I'll tell it, I think it's such and such. And then it'll come back and tell me whether I was right. So we have this nice little dialogue. It's like talking to Alexa sometimes when she doesn't quite understand you. Uh, Charles, this was yours. Any comments back to your panelists, co-panelists? Yeah, great, great comments. I, I think uh have to underline what, what Martin was saying, that you absolutely can't just uh, go to market with the first draft, right? You have to definitely take a look at it. But my experience is getting to the first draft has always been the thing that keeps you from, from moving forward. Uh, so there's significant benefits uh, that the solution can bring to the table. Good, better, best, coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? When when do you cut that cord? When do you open that door? When do you make that announcement? When do you say, it's here? And the one thing I haven't heard in this conversation yet, and I know we have a lot more to go, is the word excitement. I think it's exciting, isn't it, Aaron? It's exciting for people to say, this is really cool. I'm using it at home. You know, democratization of software, bringing your phone to work, all that stuff. Who's walking out with, with proprietary software years ago and who's bringing stuff in and how safe are we? Well, forget about that. There's an excitement here that something is happening that could help us do better, have better time, be more creative, bring our businesses to another level. And it's exciting. And that's happy talk. That's happy stuff. Okay, let's go on. Thank you very much, Charles. You got me going. Let's go to Josh. I'm picking your statement number one. This is interesting. His topic is skills. He says the development of skill ontology, and I want you to define that for us, on sure. HR system platforms and the application of skill inference on content repositories are innovative strategies being employed today. These techniques aim to facilitate auto-generated near transfer, way above my pay grade here, honey, uh, near transfer skill training for associates, ensuring they remain competitive and skilled. As HR platforms become more sophisticated and prioritize these AI-driven capabilities, the approach will become a standard practice in the future. This was done as a prediction for my Technology Revolution show, but I think it really applies here. Josh, all yours. And I had no idea Aaron was going to be on this show before I said <laughs> all of that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, right yeah um so just in regards to like skills and ontologies um you know really that's just related skills within a, a whole entire ecosystem of skills and if i had to unpack all of that i think the way that it's going to show up is that there are going to be situations where companies need to move fast and in the following week they need to upskill let's say frontline sales something has happened in the marketplace we need frontline sales to show up differently and AI through auto generation is gonna create content that is gonna allow a frontline salesperson to practice, maybe sitting in the car before they jump into a, a meeting with a client on a new sales process or product or something like that. And again, this is all based upon their personal preferences and how they like to consume media and where their skill gap is at. And so, you know, currently 
we have that happening, but just not at scale and not uh, as smooth as some people want it to be. And so I, I see that there's going to be this future where we have these systems in place that are going to um, you know, expedite the content creation process and really focus in on those performance gaps uh, that need to be addressed. And you know, for an individual who wants to get into leadership or maybe you know, move sideways within a company and there's skill gaps that are there, AI could be a coach to spin them up and give them a custom program or custom uh, uh, you know, learning path uh, to get to where they need to be. Thank you. Aaron Green, you've been summoned in multiple ways. You're, si <laughs> you're sitting virtually next to Mr. Cavalier. So go ahead, agree or disagree. Let's see I'm what you do with this. Principal's office. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say I, uh, I slightly disagree, but I mostly agree with you, Josh. Uh, and and here's, here's why. I, I, uh, I challenge our audience to, to think even bigger. And by that, I mean, uh, so when we think about skills or skills ontology, the adjacency, so think about it this way. If, if you're a developer and you have skills in Python and C++, we can infer that you could probably learn Java, let's say. And so therefore, as an organization starts thinking about what do we need to look like? What, uh, what, what kinds of skills will we need? What, what do we need for this project? As opposed to trying to then go and hire from the market we can actually say who has the capabilities to fill this role. So there's actually a whole part of workforce planning and, and really predictive, exciting. There you go, Bonnie, there's the word exciting. Thank that you. Exciting prediction <laughs> that an organization can use, and then we can apply it at an individual level. So an individual can say, hey, I actually want to be the best possible salesperson, or I'm really interested in learning this, and we can have it, and we can have that those skills served up to us by micro learning. I like that. And micro learning is an important part of, of what we're talking about with AI these days. And, and an assistant to a teacher, customizing learning paths, understanding where a student is about to exceed and about to fail, all of that. Very interesting term. Thank you. Martin, you're on the next part of agree or disagree. What do you think? No, I totally agree. I think the, the opportunities are endless. I think that's sort of where the challenge is. You know, I haven't I haven't seen the, the next boundary yet. That's my problem. You know, we are we, we're still in this in this finding phase where every second day somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I found another application for this technology. Yeah. So so it's really exciting to see um what's out there. I think the um the caveat I want to put in is is just this. Um, well, it's more a question. Should we use and should we give, um, you know, ChatGBT or something like it uh, early on in the development cycle of a, of a resource, especially when we have, you know, uh, juniors in the in the workforce? I'm the more I think about it, the more I would would favor to say, okay, we're intentionally taking taking ChatGBT or or AI assistance out of the junior level because I want them to, I need them to experience what the added value is, and I need them to be challenging and and questioning what AI provides. But then on the on the senior and up level, we are seeing efficiency gains in the 20, 30, 40% in just getting your job done. Uh, code assistance is fantastic these days of what we're finding. Uh, so it's it's all these language models, but now trained specifically for coding. And, and we have situations where it's 
it's almost like, and I probably shouldn't use this in intelligence, but it's it's just like a drug. You know, you give it to them, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't really need this. But when you try to take it away, you get their opposite response. It's like can't live without it anymore uh, because I'm so efficient. I'm so used to to using uh, getting the AI completion that you know, please don't take it away. I, I need the subscription. <laughs> so so this is sort of the experience we're seeing. Thank you. Very interesting, Charles. Let's add you to this agree or disagree round. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just want to add to the the statement. I I, I think uh, I generally agree, um, but I, I think there's a danger of uh, thinking of that AI can just pour knowledge into people, or it can just give us all the right answers. And what I my favorite one of my favorite uses of AI is to ask what questions should I be asking in this area as I go to study this particular subject what should I be asking what is you know, what are the existing ontologies or, or whatever that's out there and then you use that to further query the system and do do uh, additional research right so I think there that desire that motivation but from individuals to go and learn more and use uh, AI as that tool to help them develop themselves more is, is critical Thank you very much. And I have to do a disclaimer here. When I do my movie and song lookup for the show and the, the background I gave you on your quotes, I don't use ChatGPT. I use an old-fashioned method called Wikipedia. And I do donate <laughs> to them once in a while because they keep asking. But seriously, I will read through pages and pages. I will look for a half hour to find the nugget of what that movie quote was about or what the backstory was or what the Hollywood reporter said or what producer or director they were talking to or who ad-libbed it. And this is joyful to me to do that research. But in terms of context and background and valid information, I'm, I'm aligning myself with the validity. <laughs> What of Wikipedia of whoever reported it? And I have a really good comment. Uh, Sherry says Wikipedia is a good topic. Early chat GPT people driven. Thank you, Sherry. That's interesting. <laughs> Let's go. We have uh, seven minutes left to the show and we're going to go to Aaron Green. Aaron, I'm combining two statements for you. These were short and sweet and I like them very much. You say first, HR needs to be a leading voice in all AI adoption conversations. Interesting, you use the word conversations. And then you said, in order to reap the benefits of AI, it must always be used in a relevant, reliable, responsible manner. The three R's. You hit it, Mr. Green. Go ahead. Take three minutes, and then we'll do a real quick agree round. Go ahead. All right. Rapid fire on this one. So the, I'll start with the, the HR needing to be a leading voice in this. And, and, and I, I use the word conversation very specifically because we think about ChatGPT and gener generative AI as a conversation. But as organizations are having conversations internally around AI policies, around what it means to deploy AI both for their customers and internally, but more importantly for their employees, if HR is not involved in that conversation, then, then we can end up with some really wildly divergent, divergent experiences for people. I've heard from some of our other panelists today that some of the fear around AI, some of the you know, jobs will be eliminated. They, some might, but a lot of jobs will be changed. And that is the role of HR, to really lean into that and help an organization steer itself forward. And the only way you can do that is if you're using an AI model or a ChatGPT or a model that has been trained and tuned specifically for what you were trying to accomplish in your business. And that's where choosing uh, an AI model from a vendor that is reliable, that's res that's uh, responsible, and where the content is relevant. That's how you end up with those business breakthroughs. And that's what's really exciting about it, is that, that capability to 
have those breakthroughs to democratize that knowledge and to make it accessible to the entire workforce or to your whole customer base. And that validates our, our note from somebody a few minutes ago, Aaron, that it, you need to make the business case for it. And it might be Certainly. zooming ahead of where the budgets are. It's like, wait a minute, we're already finished budgeting for next year, but we want to get AI in the business. What do we do? Well, stop the plane. Just take a second and say, this is where we need to go. Responsible, relevant, reliable. I appreciate that. Quick around the table. I've got four minutes left. Martin, you're sitting next to Aaron. Go ahead. Ethical and unbiased are the two words I want to throw out there um, for me that are hugely important in the in the context of HR. So, so yeah, I completely agree with Aaron with everything he said. Um, but, but yeah, make sure is that especially when you're looking at HR usage of that, that you know whatever you use is ethical and unbiased. Thank you, ethical. That's a word that always creeps into the AI conversation, right, Aaron? Charles Wilson, you're sitting next to Martin. Go ahead. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of companies are paralyzed not knowing how to move forward with this because there are some of these ethical issues and validation issues, those sorts of things. And I, I think it's important for organizations to encourage their employees to get certified, even in a basic way on, on AI about how to use it responsibly, but then also to encourage them to use it outside of work where there aren't some of those ethical issues, right? So that you can get people familiar with that. So. That'd be my comment on that. Interesting. Josh, round this out for me. Yeah, totally agree with Aaron. Uh, I think that you're going to see uh, HR take a prominent role uh, with AI within businesses and specifically like in my area, L&D, maturation of roles to where they become a performance business analyst to where they're working directly with the business on you know initiatives and things that are happening within the business. And so, yes, I am. I'm totally agree. Thank you very much. And Aaron, anything you want to say back to the gentleman yeah, on the panel? Absolutely. So thank you all for your comments. I, I guess, Charles, what I would say is I actually am not seeing businesses paralyzed by AI. What, I'm, what, what we're actually seeing is it's really being led as a technology decision. And it is a piece of technology, but it has to be a people-led conversation because the technology impacts the people inside the business. So this is where HR needs to get involved with the CTO, the CIO, and really help drive that conversation forward to make sure that the outcome for the business is the one that you're trying to get. Interesting. I'm going to give a sidebar here, a very brief one. I worked for a company that was a correspondent bank in New York that was formed after the, the market crashed in 39. Oh, I wasn't there in 39. But it was in the late 1980s, and I was running marketing, even though I didn't have the title. And uh, I did a newsletter, and interestingly enough, one of my – for the the – presidents and vice presidents and high-level executives of all the savings banks of New York State. That's who we served. Back office banking, basically, correspondent. And my article was technophobe versus technophile. Now, put yourself back into 1986. This was pre-Y2K. This was pre-known AI. This was pre sell what i was working i was coding uh, a banking term banking software turnkey system on on a, a dumb terminal and i was running marketing on a mac and i didn't know what a mouse was at first and blah 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 anyway technophobe or technophobe and that's interesting if you bring it forward to today we used to say companies like finance they're laggards they don't want to adopt all these fancy analytics and all that and now we're saying are you maybe an ai file or an ai phobe Maybe we, maybe I need to redo that. I'm going to find that article. It's hard copy. I don't think I have it. Anyway, I want to say thank you to the four of you. It has been a ride. It has been a pleasure. It has been a trip hearing all of your insights, all of your expertise. 
I love putting people together who don't know each other because it just brings out so much energy. I have to do some thank yous here. I've got a minute and a half to go. And I want to say thank you to Andrew at Voice America, our engineer today, the friendly one. I want to say thank you to Hannah Hale at Rising. What a great topic, Hannah. You really outdid yourself on this one. Thank you to Sherry Meyer, who is there cheering and doing so much behind the scenes, lifting to get these shows together. I also have to say a thank you to Jill Pappas and Eliza Dillard, who were on a heck of a lot of emails with me, Erin. I think they might be yours. And uh, I want to say, Martin Stanzig, come back. It doesn't have to be when you're at 345 in the morning in Australia time. We'll take you any time zone you want. Charles A. Wilson, what a pleasure to meet you. Josh Cavalier, lovely to see you two weeks in a row. Aaron Green, feel better. <laughs> and thank you so much for doing this. I know you've been, you've been doing some, some personal work there, trying to get walking again. We appreciate it. So I'm just going to say thank you for tuning into Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise. I'm Bonnie D. And remember, the future of now didn't happen yet. We're all going to do our best to make it a better one. We'll see you. Everybody wave goodbye and don't go where we take pictures. We'll see you here next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise with Rising, a Wipro company. Rising enables you to create your business journey your way with SAP technology. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag R-I-Z-I-N-G. That's rising with a Z. Please join us again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively evolving week.